So who is more important, the person at the podium or the person at the sound desk making sure what is said can be heard? The person sitting on the chair in the adult community class or the person making sure there are chairs to sit on? The person serving in a teaching role or the person serving in the nursery to make sure that people can hear the word being taught? Welcome to the God-Centered Life with Josh Moody Weekend Edition. Continuing our look at 2020 vision, Acts chapter 17. Once again, in the focus as we discuss the topic of learning. Josh Moody is Senior Pastor of College Church in Wheaton. We're glad you're joining us for today's study. Josh, last time we were together, we talked about being personally involved, specifically digging into Scripture. But our opening clip leans into another way to be personally involved, and it strikes me that while there may be a few preachers, there's a lot of opportunity for a community effort necessary for the preachers to preach. Right, right. I think sometimes when we start talking about God's Word and preaching and listening, it can seem as if we're just talking about someone who goes to seminary or someone whose primary role is being a preacher, and yet it's far more than that. And so part of what we're diving into this time is the way in which whether we are articulating God's Word or receiving God's word, whether we are acting in a way that uh, multiplies uh, the communication of God's word or are ourselves speaking it. At any rate, we're all involved in this great task of, as we call it at Cottage Church, proclaiming the gospel and here at God-centered life as we seek to get God's word out to call us to center our lives upon God. I also want to say that uh, by virtue of your recognizing the sound text, yeah. uh, you're getting extra special treatment now from the Fader crew. I've let yeah. them know that they get a shout out and they've promised to work harder at not leaving your mic open during the closing <laughs> hymn. Oh, yes, yes. Well, that will, I'm sure, uh, that will bless, bless everyone. Yes. <laughs> well, let's get into the study. We'll do a quick review and jump into the new material for today. Here's Josh. Well, you'll notice from your bulletin that we've come to a rather special sermon this morning, which is emphasizing our 2020 vision. And uh, in particular, this morning, you'll see that we're looking at learning. So we have four core values, fellowship, learning, outreach, and worship. And the central vision is this proclaiming the gospel, the gospel-centered kind of church, with the gospel at the heart of everything, changing us, by what Jesus has done for us so that we can live for him in every area of our life, living as people who are filled with grace and mercy rather than legalistically, or giving into license and sinful behavior, instead filled with his spirit, empowered by the gospel, then these four core values. 2020 vision, impact as it relates to learning. So let me just read that out for us. Prayerfully, our commitment to Bible learning will result in us developing into a place for training in Christian ministry and discipleship. We aim to be significantly involved in training everyone for Christian ministry, with a renewed emphasis on the next generation of Christian leaders, pastors, and missionaries. Now, the passage we're looking at this morning as we think about this particular core value, and of course there are many in the Bible, given it's about the Bible, we could choose many. We're looking at Acts chapter 17 and verse 11. Now, if you turn actually to your Bibles, that will help, as usual. What you see here is the Bereans didn't treat Paul and Silas like a spectator sport. They actually eagerly examined 
whether these things be so. They were involved. Now, why is that? So first, let's think. Why get involved? Well, this verse 11 that is the the heart of the passage that we're looking at this morning gives several reasons to get involved. Here's one. The Bereans here show us that it's only as we get personally involved with the learning and the teaching that we discover whether these things are true. Now let's contrast that with some common ways of going about Christianity today. Consumer Christianity. Consumer Christianity is sort of involved, but only in the sense that it's a product that you can buy, and if you don't like the store because it's not selling the product you like, you can go to a different store and get a different sort of product. They didn't look at Paul and Silas and say, well, I'm not sure I want to buy that product. I'm not sure I want to buy that Jesus is the Messiah. Therefore, I'm going to buy a different product. This is not consumer Christianity. They were discerning a different kind of issue at stake. Truth. Reality. How things actually are. How? How can my life be changed by this learning? Here's how. Four ways to get involved. L, listen. So it says they received the word. So in order to be saved, the word needs to be received. Listening in the sense of accepting. L, listen. I, inspire. Inspire. So they receive the word with all eagerness. And in doing so, they've become a model for people all down through the years of this kind of Bible-centered, learning, enthusiastic, scripture-focused Christianity. So you may not be a teacher But in your serving in a supportive way of teaching ministries, you are being an inspiration, potentially, to people all around the world. So who is more important, the person at the podium or the person at the sound desk making sure what is said can be heard? The person sitting on the chair in the adult community class or the person making sure there are chairs to sit on. The person serving in a teaching role or the person serving in the nursery to make sure that people can hear the word being taught. There is an inspiration that can come about by simply being a model of serving so that this kind of ministry can take place. Uh, I inspire, L, listen, I inspire, F, feed. They were looking to see if these things be so. Well, what things? The things that Paul and Silas had taught them. So part of the model here is not only being trained in God's word from the Berean standpoint, the listening and the inspiration to support the possibility for such training, 
but also from the Paul and Silas side, being active ourselves in training others in God's word. So the reason why the Bereans searched the scriptures so carefully is, of course, because Paul and Silas made their case depend upon the scriptures. They actually dug into the Bible in their exposition. They opened the Bible. They fed from the Bible. They did so in a responsible way so that you could look to see if what they were saying was true. If these things be so. If all the scriptures point to Jesus or not. So they didn't just use the Bible like, as the old joke is, a drunken man uses a lamp post for support rather than illumination. In other words, not just leaning on it for what you want to get out of it, but letting God's word actually shed light on it. They didn't just use the Bible as someone jumps on a trampoline, you know, here I'm going to start here and then I'm going to end up somewhere else. It actually, their whole case evidently relied on what this said and therefore the Bereans went to it to find out whether these things be so. And so that teaches us that we should train people in biblical Christianity to feed them, F, feed, feed your family. Be the spiritual leaders of your home. Sometimes people say to me, how can I be a leader? It starts with spiritually modeling your own lifestyle and leading by God's word to lead in getting up early to have devotional times yourself. In leading in feeding your family by answering the questions your children have from God's word. By leading, by answering the questions that are given around the table from God's word. By being active in understanding the Bible so that you can feed your family spiritually. To be a provider in that sense as well. Feed your children. Pastors, feed your flock. Teachers, feed the word. There is a hunger for the word of God. So many churches are stepping back from biblical ministry because they think expositional ministry means boring ministry. We need a spirit-inspired, full-blooded commitment to God's word that we model as the noble Bereans did by listening being an inspiration, serving, supporting that in serving ministries and actually feeding and training this generation, the next generation, making the most of our location here in Wheaton to be a church that can be a springboard to train people for the American church and all around the world. We have the next part of our current acronym in just a moment, but first a quick reminder that we are so excited that you've joined us. If you found us via the radio, go ahead and send that radio station a note and thank them for bringing you The God-Centered Life. And then don't forget to check our website, GodCenteredLife.org, where there's resources that we've collected to help you in your devotional growth. Back into the book of Acts for the time being, though, here's Josh. Listen, inspire, feed. And then E, evangelize. So verse 12, many of them therefore believed, the Jews and the Greeks. And so what you had then in the synagogue was you had the the Jewish people with the Greek God-fearers who were all listening in to what Paul and Silas were saying. 
So when we emphasize Bible expositional ministry, it does not mean that we are excluding the possibility that someone, as we do that, might come to know Jesus. No, this is their technique for outreach as well. Two go together. Could these things be the case? Now, of course, they develop a slightly different strategy in in Athens when they're dealing with those who are outside the covenant community and not familiar with Bible things. Uh, People have said that these days we first have to show people that Christians are okay, not weird. God is good, not freaky. And only then can the gospel be engaged as true, not a myth. Yes, okay, so people are further back these days when they are in an Athens-like situation, that is, outside of God's covenant people and unfamiliar with the scriptures. But even then, he uses the Bible. And so in our church, as we emphasize learning, we do it in such a way that has one eye towards those who gather with us to see if these things be so. Learning by being involved, which leads to a changed life. Listening, inspiring, feeding, and evangelizing. I remember once going to a summer camp and noticing that there were two teenagers not involved. I was told about this, and they sat on the sidelines watching, and as they observed, Other people rushing around playing tennis, going water skiing, backpacking, climbing, doing art, drama, swimming, and everything else you can imagine. And finally, they went home saying, there's nothing to do here. You see, sometimes we can be a bit like that with church. We sit back in the bleachers. By the way, if I was coming to this church, I would sit right up there, top top left, right at the back. Just so you know my character, so don't feel I'm having a go at you. I think that's the best seat in the house. You can hide. I know. I love it. (laughs) That's fine. So you can sit up there, but actually to be involved by listening. So you could be at the stage of life where you're saying, is this really true? Am I actually going to commit my whole life to this? Not just to watch, to, to listen to be an inspiration by serving, to feed and train as well as being trained, to have a model that will be evangelistic as we're learning, to actually engage brain like the Bereans and enter service like Paul and Silas, to actually ask the tough questions and make the tough choices. That is to live our lives as if this Christian faith is not a product to purchase, but a claim to truth that, if true, radically alters our lives. See, I've come across people who grew up in Christian homes where the parents said one thing and did another. Perhaps they lived on the sidelines of the Christian faith. Perhaps they never really understood it. Perhaps they just went along because it was the proper thing. Perhaps they never really heard the gospel. And people tell me, you know, when they argued, they turned up the music so loud their neighbors could not hear instead of stopping arguing. We can go through the motions with this Christian thing and live the proper life and decide which product we want to purchase or we can engage with it as it really is a claim to truth. 
There was a child who was once told by their parents that they should never swear by taking the Lord's name in vain. And the child said, well, well, I've heard you say God. And they said, well, I only say God. You know, we can say God when you're praying. But other than that, you mustn't say God's name, you see. And so the child one summer was particularly bothered by some flies buzzing around. And the child just blurted out, oh, God. I can't stand these flies. And looked at the father's face, wrathful, angry, and immediately said, um, Amen. <laughs> A sort of bumper sticker faith, you know? Or, or band aid faith. A, a sort of an addition, a moral addition to our lifestyle to make us look proper. I love the story, the visiting Australian evangelist to the Bible boat who saw a bumper sticker saying, honk if you love Jesus, and proceeded whimsically to obey, only to be greeted with a furious frown, so he gave the one way to Jesus sign to be greeted by a rather different kind of hand signal in response. This is not a product, it's not an addition to a lifestyle. This is a claim to truth that if true, must change our lives. It's a call to put God's word at the heart of everything we do. Not theoretically, but actually. The Bereans lived a long time ago. Their synagogue was probably a place where the word was read out and Paul and Silas made use of that habit to speak to the group gathered around them as visiting rabbis would be accorded the opportunity from time to time to give greetings. They heard the things they said. They really listened. They got involved with it. They took the message seriously because they realized that if it was true, it would change their lives. It means putting God as the foundation of everything and his word is the grain that runs along the wood of our lives the rock for our house seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness with our time our volunteering our money our family our career everything if this is true and if it's not why bother It's not a legalistic, don't drink, don't smoke, what do you do? It's like the young man who would travel over land and sea to find the woman he loved. And so when we realize that Christ is Jesus, that Jesus is Christ, that all the Old Testament scriptures point to him, the gospel of grace and truth, this gospel from God of of love shed abroad by his Holy Spirit revealed in Jesus, all that Christ has done for us on the cross is true, is truly true, as Schaeffer would say, that all your guilt and condemnation, if you receive Jesus, you trust him, is gone. Wow, wow. Now I live differently. You get involved. You don't just watch the game, you're part of it. Listen, be an inspiration, feed, evangelize. In other words, Luke is saying be a class act by being trained in God's word and training others in God's word.
Let's pray as we consider these, these things together. Father, sometimes it's easy to think maybe these things are not so, that it is not true. We look at the world around and we see suffering. We look at our own lives and we're not sure what we see. We see confusion. We listen to the arguments of secularists or atheists or people on the edge of Christianity and we wonder whether it really is true. In fact, so turned around do we get by this that we end up talking to you about it and we realize how how ridiculous that is. Father, you hear our prayers. We cannot but turn to you. Father, we are tempted to try and live a life that seems like life, consumer products and comfortable existence. And then again, as we come before your word in prayer, we're confronted with the Jesus who says, follow me, learn from me, for I am meek and lowly of heart. Take my yoke upon you, for my burden is light and my yoke is easy. Father, help us to cast off all the burdens that we carry of worry and anxiety, all the idols that we worship of our own success or career or money, and instead, like the Bereans this morning, to enter into the examination of your scriptures to see if these things be so. Did Jesus really come and live walk on water, die and rise again. Did he really say, no one comes to me except the Father draws him. No man can snatch one of these out of my hand. And as we find the answer is yes. These things really are true. Father, I pray it would change our life. We are moved from sadness to joy, from guilt to freedom, from passivity in church to involvement in listening and being an inspiration through serving and volunteering through training others and raising up the next generation being trained ourselves to listening on the outside and finding these things are true and so putting our faith in you Father would you by your spirit transform us this morning to be more and more like those noble Bereans of so long ago with our heart for you and therefore your scriptures. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. That's Josh Moody and this is the God-Centered Life. Quoting you from the session, Josh, this is a call to put God's Word at the heart of everything we do. Not theoretically, but actually. Ten minutes of watching any world news outlet and the blood pressure rises these days. Given the challenges around us, How do we walk that walk? Well, it's a great question, Todd, and I suppose there could be a number of different kinds of answers. We could quote various promises of Scripture. Um, Surely I'll be with you always to the very end of the age. We could uh, think about the perspective of history. I was just texting someone a little earlier about that, how when we look, for instance, at the Second World War, and we compare what we're going through with that, we realize, well, it gives us a bit of perspective. I'll tell you one thing I've been reflecting on, uh, which is the call in the Bible to walk 
by faith. Hmm. For me, my little phrase of the last few weeks and months has been just two words, just trust. Hmm. I think we're in a, an unusual, in terms of my lifetime, we've never been in a stage where it's been so hard to predict the future. And uh, that's uncomfortable for us. True. And we have to learn to take it a day at a time. Just trust. Thank you for that, Josh. Well, a quick reminder that if you'd like to take the resources of the God-Centered Life with you on your mobile device, go to your favorite app store and look up God-Centered Life. That's right. We have an app. Hope you take advantage of it. Next time we get together asking the question, how's your eyesight? Is believing in Jesus like wearing vision-enhancing glasses through the beautiful music and you've been prepared to put them on for a little while? Or is believing in Jesus finally seeing clearly 2020 vision? We'll continue our 2020 vision series when we get together next time. GodCenteredLife.org is where you can find some of our resources. And this is your invitation to join us right here for The God-Centered Life with Josh Moody Weekend Edition. 